writing nonfiction means I tell people's stories for them, not because they're special, but because we all are. Joe Durbrock. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses. And I want to apologize if Lee mispronounced that last name. That is actually my fault because I have no clue how it's pronounced. And neither do I. <laughs> so, Joe, if you're listening, it's her fault. Thanks. <laughs> Our last genre that we're going to explore for this month is nonfiction. This is a very common genre to write in, but not necessarily read. So we're going to have a lot of cautionary tales as we go through this, because the way that I tend to see nonfiction is it tends to be the books that people put on their shelves to be seen having that book on their shelf, not necessarily because they care to read it. And unsuccessful nonfiction authors tend to be the ones who don't know who their target audience is. Well, my therapist said I should write a book. Great. Write it know who your target audience is so you can access them. If the problem is three divorces in five years, and then the end is therapy helped you discover who you are. Okay, there's your problem, your solution. You want other people to recognize that therapy is helpful, it's not harmful, it's not humiliating. Okay, then you have a target audience, people considering going to therapy. Your nonfictions still need to have a point. In fiction, the point is the plot. You don't always have a plot in nonfiction, but you need to have a message. What are you trying to tell people? Unless you are a famous person, just telling the story of your life isn't going to cut it. No matter how fascinating your life was, people aren't going to pick up the book unless they recognize the name. The subgenres of nonfiction include your memoirs, your academia, autobiographies and biographies, a lot of self-help books, and essays. So we've joked for a long time about the nonfiction books that we will write, but they would be as writing guides for other authors. So I would write a book about killing people something that authors need to know if they're going to write effective murders, they're going to write effective veterans, they're going to write effective characters that have to do with violence in some way. This book is a handbook. People are coming to me because they recognize that I have experience and knowledge in this realm, not because they might be interested in my life story. My nonfiction would be world building, fantasy type writing suggestions, because that's what I know. I love fantasy, grew up in it. That's what I can talk about for days. In essence, it's information we have to share. And that's what makes it nonfiction, is literally not false. It's true. But it's information that other people will be able to use in their own lives. Famous authors in the nonfiction genre include Michelle Obama, she wrote a memoir autobiography kind of book that is vastly popular. I think it released a year or two ago, and it's still one of the top-selling books today. You also have Anne Frank. Her diary ended up becoming published, and it's widely read in schools, especially. 
And then, of course, you have your self-help books. The people who are looking to better their lives come to you. You'll have Stephen R. Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And Gary Chapman's Love Languages. There are a whole bunch of the five love languages books. Your writing style in nonfiction is going to differ a lot from fiction writing styles. Punctuation is completely different. In fiction, your punctuation tends to be fluid. You still have standards, but it's less rigid. And it tends to be more about timing in fiction. In nonfiction, it tends to be about clarity. A lot of semicolons, footnotes, citing sources, very non-narrative style punctuations are going to be included in nonfiction. Even if you are telling a story, having this nonfiction style to it makes it more believable. And even if you're writing a self-help or a handbook or a guide, you still need to have a narrative structure a storytelling experience to say whether it's why you know all of this information or giving examples or explaining it. It can't just be a bullet point outline. If you're writing a reference novel, this is not the case because you do not expect your reader to read your entire story. If you're writing a memoir, you're hoping they're going to read every word. They're going to put it down. If you want your reader to read your entire reference novel, you need to have that narrative structure within. Word count for self-help is flexible, to say the least. If we have to put a number on it, 50 to 70,000 words. Again, this depends on whether you're writing a memoir or a guidebook. I am writing a reference novel currently. And there are a lot of charts. So the book is going to be 125, 150 pages easily, but most of those are a chart. So it's going to be maybe 30,000 words. But that's all the book really needs. If it's a memoir, it's going to be a little bit longer. It just depends on what you're doing. The point is to get the full amount of information across without going overboard. I think I had a professor say once that it needs to be like a miniskirt where it's long enough to cover the subject, but still short enough to be interesting. (laughs) Titling nonfiction is fun. You have a lot of creative title, semicolon, blatant title. An example of this is the five love languages, the secret to a love that lasts. One that I discovered recently that is my book that I really need. You suck at cooking. The Absurdly Practical Guide to Sucking Slightly Less at Making Food. (laughs) So it's all still a little bit fun and abstract through the title, but it really catches you with the, you suck at cooking. That's the big part that people see. And then you have a subtitle to explain a little bit more about what it's about. It's really a marketing technique. I am going to say that as far as novel titles are concerned, You're going to have your longest novel titles be nonfiction, especially your self-help. And they also tend to border on clickbait. Yeah, I noticed that. One of the popular ones that I found was, girl, stop apologizing. Totally feels like clickbait. It's that attention grabber that really gets you pulled into a self-help kind of book. And you also often have a number 
because I think there's an accomplishment to satisfying all of those numbers to reading each of those chapters of learning how to be a highly effective person. So you have your seven habits series, you have your 12 rules for life, and then the five love languages. Covers for nonfiction. If you have a memoir with a famous person, it's going to be that famous person's picture on the front. If it is something more of a self-help guidebook kind of thing, you're going to have a lot of solid colors with white text and nothing else. Something very simple catches the eye, especially if your self-help book is about simplifying your life. You might have a thin white box and solid white text against a pale purple. If it's something more like, girl, stop apologizing, you're going to have some more fun type fonts. Again, very catchy, something to grab your attention. If you do have a picture that is not of the author, it's going to be often something very soothing. You're going to have a boat or a dove or a flower. Or in the case of you suck at cooking, a piece of burnt toast that's smiling at you. <laughs> Tropes in nonfiction are not very common. It's hard to have a trope when you're discussing real life. Life is full of tropes, but because it's life, it's not really a trope. But you do have a lot of experts talking in their field about whatever. And outside of tropiness, you will see some trends in the writing. You'll often see a, here's an argument I hear a lot, and here's my response to it. I've seen that a fair amount in theological writing. People say that God can't be good because of all of this evil is happening. Here's my response to this argument. That is a trend you'll see a lot in your self-help as well as your essay style writing. Especially self-helps follow trends. You'll have a surge of healthy eating self-help and work on yourself self-help and cut the bad people out of your life self-help. It'll flow with whatever the world is experiencing at that time. And be extra popular for Christmas and New Year's. Yes. If you want to write in nonfiction, figure out why. If your therapist is telling you to write a book, why? I'll be blunt here. I apologize if I hurt any feelings. But if your therapist is telling you to write a book, it is probably so you can work through issues related to your life. And that's really what our saying is about. You don't have to publish your book. You don't have to make millions on your book to get something from writing the book. If you are writing selfishly, then you are growing as a person. It is difficult to publish in nonfiction, but that shouldn't stop you from writing it if that's what you want to do. You can still get a lot from the process. Especially if you always write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. <laughs>